I'm jumping straight into the good old stories. And when I say jumping into it, just to be very fair, we've jumped into this for months now. This might be one of the longest running series that I've ever done because I said, hey, we'll just cover this over the summer. And when we decided to cover the whole Testament, we realized we'd cover it for about half the year. So if you've enjoyed this series, I have bad news for you. We only got like two more weeks left after this. If you've despised the series, I got good news for you. <laughs> we're almost done with it. Uh, next month, I'm excited. Next month, we're going to actually have a, a conversation uh, all month long about worship. And what we're going to do, we're going to be changing up kind of the, even the flow of how service goes. We're going to have a little bit of worship to start, but then we're going to have a sermon and then we're going to go back into worship to practice what it is that we talked about. And so the month of November is going to be very fun. If you want to come, be a part of it. Now, if you're one of those worshipers who's like, I don't clap my hands, I don't raise my hands, and I barely sing, <laughs> November is going to be awkward for you. But if nothing else, we can expand our thinking of why we do what we do when it comes to worship. Because it may look weird to you that someone has their hands raised, but I promise you that if a police officer came at you with a gun drawn and said, put your hands up, what do you do? You say, I surrender. And when I raise my hands to God, that's just my way of saying to him, I surrender. And so there's just different acts in why we do what we do. So we're looking forward to the month of November. But before we get there, we have something exciting at the end of this month that if you're not praying about it, I want to encourage you to be praying about it. It is, and by the way, when I say this, everyone's going to start clapping. It'll be awesome. At the end of the month is our fall festival on Uptown Collinsville. Here's what I love. I think we're up to eight or nine other churches that are going to be up there with, oh, that's what I love you about you guys. Yes, we are the ones putting it on, which means you're flipping the bill for it. But we have ideas how to make money back. We'll tell you, well, we're going to sell water. I can, it's not that big a secret. But we're flipping the bill. But we've called all these other churches and we say, listen, your booth space is free. All you got to do is get up there with your banner, your church, your swag, and give away candy to people. And so we've had eight or nine other churches. Unfortunately, there have been a couple others that had other events, and so they are not able to make it. And I, I know they're already putting us on the calendar for next year. And so, God, I, you know what, God, I'm just going to pause right here. I love that we love our community. Yeah. And Lord, we're declaring it now. We're not in competition with any other church or ministry up the road from us, but we want to partner with them to seek and save that which is lost. And so, Holy Spirit, even as we begin our preparation and continue to our preparations for the fall festival, we ask this, that every piece of candy is a, is a doorway to you. Every single game that's being played is an open conversation about you. Every tent that is set up is a mini house, a mini temple, a mini church on Main Street, outside of our normal four walls, to say this, that we want to connect with our community Holy Spirit, I'd be fine if revival broke out. And we thought we were coming there for one thing, but in fact, we are there to interact with someone else. So God, just be a part of that fall festival. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Okay, so here we are, our conversation about the good old stories. In case you missed it, here's the whole Old Testament in 90 seconds. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was with form and, without, and void. And God decided, I want more than that. So he started creating everything else, including mankind. He put mankind in, in the middle of the garden. He said, you are unlike anything else. So I'm going to give you a helpmate. 
Hence, God gave Eve. Adam and Eve did great for about 14 seconds. They ate a piece of fruit. They ended up sinning. The rest of it is downhill for humanity till we get to Jesus. How do we go downhill? Mankind ended up being a people. And how do I say that? Is because eventually Adam and Eve take us all the way to this guy named Abraham where God came and said, Abraham, I want a people to work with. So Abraham started having many sons and many sons... You guys are fantastic. And so, Father Abraham, eventually the sons got into captivity in Egypt. God needed to deliver them. He brought him a guy named Moses. Moses got the children of Israel out of Egypt. But the problem is too much of Egypt was still in them. So they stayed in the desert for a while longer, about 40 years. Joshua took them into their promised land. Why did they have to go into the promised land? Because God wanted a people to have a nation to build a kingdom that he desired. The problem is you give any person too much power, it goes to our head, and we start thinking we can do it without God, which is the rest of the story of the children of Israel. They're in the land. They're trying to build their empire, so they get a king. They shouldn't have a king. The, 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 the nation eventually divides up after Dave, or Saul, David, and Solomon. Solomon, there were two, uh, I think I've said in the past, two sons. It was actually one son, one general. The nation broke up into two nations. So after that, God started sending judges their way. Judges were there to judge. Ta-da, hence the name of the book. So the judges were coming and judge. And I'll be honest, the last couple sermons have been very depressing because we've been only preaching out of the judges. Last week, Isaiah, his entire ministry said, guys, impending judgment's coming, impending judgment's coming, impending judgment's coming, and no one's listening. A hundred years later, we get to another prophet named Jeremiah, who we're talking about today. And a hundred years later, Jeremiah's going, hey, guys, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. The difference between Jeremiah and Isaiah is in Jeremiah's lifetime, it happened. The Babylonian ca captivity happened. It happens in three waves. And eventually Babylon comes in and wipes out the children of Israel, which is what we're going to talk about today. Hence, I have another depressing sermon for you. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's the literature. I don't know how to make it positive of, hey, guys, God's people are taken into captivity. So will you. Like, I don't know how to spin that. I don't know how to, like, tell you that. So I've decided instead... If it's already going to be a downer sermon, I'm going to go ahead and destroy one of your favorite scriptures of all times. And I'm so excited about this. Every card that you've received, every person that has graduated, you've probably quoted this, you've probably read this, and you probably got excited about it. Little did you know that you were declaring damnation over your life. Praise God. Let's get into the scripture. So, Jeremiah, for, for his ministry ended up being for 42 years. For 42 years, he preached the same sermon over and over and over, and actually over a time period of five kings. And I'm just giving you this so that you know what you're reading when you read it. First, you had Josiah. When Josiah was king, Jeremiah just started taking ministry. Josiah was actually a king that brought about revival to the nation of Israel. He was basically a young teenager, found the book of the law, and started just doing what the book said. So I'm going to say that again to make sure we all got it. The nation of Israel was, or excuse me, at this time, Judah, the nation was doing everything they could to make God happy, but the fact is they did more work to make themselves happy. Then the king came along and said, wait, here's a book, an outside manual of the way that we should live life, and if we live it according to this book, no matter how we're feeling, life can be better. And so he started doing what all of us should do is just start building by the book. 
This morning, my son had to wake up at 5.15 to go throw dead ducks. Just seeing if any of you caught that, because that's exactly what he's doing. They, he's, he's been hired to go throw dead ducks so a guy can, like, certify dogs. I actually don't know what it is. Is that to, like, certify dogs? Well, the problem is my son only got a couple hours of sleep the night before, was up yesterday at 5.15. At 5.15, I get him up, I take him, they go, they go to where they need to go. He gets back just in time to shower to then go to homecoming, to then come home to go to sleep, to barely get five hours of sleep, to get up and do it again today. And when he got up, he said, Dad, call him and tell him I'm sick. He might have been. But here's what I said to him. I said, buddy, the problem is, and I promise this is exactly what I said, I said, we've chosen to live our life by an outside set of rules, and those rules say, let your yay be your yay and your nay be your nay. So instead of saying, son, buck up, you got to do this, I'm just going to the book that, I've, that we've said we're living by, and buddy, you gave them your word. So either you're going to be a man of your word or you're not, choose you this day in whom you shall serve. I didn't go that King James on him, but I could have, I could have. So now you have Josiah who's saying live by this book, but then you have Jehoiahaz, who was the next king. He lived for about three months. He was no good. Following that was Jehoiakim. His number one thing that he did, rather than lead the people to God, he led the, children, the, uh, the entire nation towards idolatry, build idols everywhere. Then you have Jehoiakim, not in Jehoiahaz, Jehoiakim, who lasted for about three months. And then you finally uh, finish Zedekiah. Zedekiah is the final king over the nation of Judah before they were ultimately taken into the uh, uh, Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And during that time period, we meet a guy named Daniel. How many have ever heard of Daniel before? If you haven't, Daniel in the lion's den. Okay, if you really haven't, come back next week and I'll cover him. And <laughs> that is an oppressing sermon. I will tell you now. It is like, it is just a down. No, I'm kidding. So next week is Daniel. Uh, and then we're going to do Jeremiah. I'm so excited. Or excuse me, Ezekiel. I'm so excited about Ezekiel because I think it actually is forward thinking to even what we're going to be talking about all of next year. Uh, then we're going to finish up with Malachi. Malachi, uh, the final prophet that you're going to see um, in the Old Testament. I don't think he was the final prophet. I, I believe John the Baptist was. Final prophet until God stops talking for 400 years. And so I say we kind of def need to hear what he has to say to us. So, so here's an interesting thought. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5, a very famous scripture that you may know. I want to read this to you because there's an opening thought that I have for you. And it's this. It says in verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me. This is the very beginning of Jeremiah's ministry where God is calling him into ministry. And he says, before I formed you, in, your, in the womb, I knew you. Before you uh, were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So th here's God coming to Jeremiah at the very beginning of his ministry. And by the way, I do think this is important for someone to hear today and maybe many of you to hear. And it's simply this. Here's what God said to Jeremiah is, before you were even born, I hand knit you in your mother's womb for a specific purpose and a specific design. Yes. And by the way, that design is for you to be a nation unto the prophet, or a, a prophet unto the nation. So you're meant to be a voice piece for me. So can I say it like this? Before you were born, I knew everything about you. And by the time you die, I'm telling you what you're going to be for me. 
And I'm just going to go ahead and guess, God knew everything in between. And so the reason why I think it's important for all of us to hear this now, sometimes we read the Bible and we think this doesn't apply to us, but if we go into reading the word and how it does apply to us with this in mind, before you were born, God knit you in your mother's womb for a specific purpose. Today, my purpose is drastically different than your purpose. Why do I say that? I'm the guy on the stage. You're the one sitting there. But I do actually think I was created to be a pastor. My wife questions that quite often. But I actually do believe that I was created to be a pastor. I almost said, who else agrees with that? But I did not want to see how many hands went up. But I actually believe that I was created in order to communicate God's word to people. And so would I, should I be surprised that somewhere along the line we have something maybe happen in the ministry? Should I be a, a surprised somewhere along the line when COVID hits and the very thing you think you're supposed to do, no one's allowed to come to? Like, why am I surprised by that? Because there's a chance God never was. And so, but I have to also understand that this thing that I've been called to, this thing that I've been created for, I'm also responsible for. What am I doing with the gift that God has given me? Would, it, would, would you be happy to know that on a regular basis, I actually critique my sermons? On a regular basis, I on purpose listen to other pastors who I believe are better communicators than I am for one specific reason, so that I can get better. How many would like to know that I actually do that? Yes. Question for you. What are you created for and when's the last time you worked to make it better? Do you believe that God f formed you in your mother's womb, or you can continue the lie that you're the oops baby? Are you going to continue the lie that you never knew your mom, or you never knew your dad, they never had a relationship, it was a teenage fling, it was a drunken one-night stand, and no one really wanted you anyway, why would God want you? And if you believe that lie, I'm here to tell you this. Our God in heaven, who knows all, knows you. And there was a time that he was sitting around with a whiteboard behind him and a big conference table and said, wait a second, we are going to create, insert your name. How tall are they going to be? Are they going to have hair or not have hair? What color hair? Now, God, what are you going to put into them that is unlike anybody else? So that when they understand who they are because of whose they are, they can now be a nation, a prophet to the nations. And so this is Jeremiah's thought of, I was only created to do this, and he did this nonstop for 42 years. He went around prophesying. And he became very famous because of a prophecy, and you may know this, Jeremiah 29, 11. If you know this, I'll just ask you in a second. He said this, Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. How many have ever heard that scripture before? <clears throat> How many have ever put it on a graduation card or had it on a graduation card? All you Christian card writers. Because, see, I don't buy Christian cards. They're too expensive. I go to the Dollar General store, uh, one for, uh, two for a dollar, right? Or a dollar 25 now. I know that there's been a price hike. And so, like, we've probably said that to someone. We probably wrote that to someone. We probably encouraged that with someone. And I can't wait to tell you what this scripture is all about and how you did that to someone. 
So whenever you read the scriptures, there's a couple things we're going to talk about. And by the way, I'll use a couple fancy words just so you know when I... So when it comes to your hermeneutical study, how many, how many are you ready for that one? Okay. So you, when you read the scripture, you either exegesis or you eisegesis it. Anybody know those words? Okay, this is, so basically you read into the word what you want to get out of it, or you read what the word says and you exit out of it what it actually says. So whenever you read the Bible, there's a couple things you need to know. Number one, the Bible is a self-defining dictionary. The Bible doesn't need any other source to communicate to anybody. The Bible defines the Bible. And so in the Bible, there's something called law of first mention. The first time it mentions it, it usually defines it. And so the Bible doesn't need generations to understand. And if anyone ever says to you, I'm just going to, th this I'm noodling, this I'm just going to try to irritate someone. Well, we know this is true because this represents Iraq, China. This represents Israel. This rep or it actually could Israel. Funny that I say that one. Like, it, it could represent, are you ready for this? It could represent Russia, Putin. Oh, you know why this has come true? Because Biden's in office. <gasps> and th those of you that I just offended with this, ready this? It was true because Trump was in office. Ooh. Like, the moment you think America needed to be formed for the Bible to be understood is the moment you don't understand the Bible. The Bible was meant to speak to any people at any time in any country under any language because it's a self-defining Bible. So what we got to do is when we don't understand what the Bible says, we have to read the Bible so that the Bible can define itself. So we just read the scripture that God has plans to press for you and not harm you, plans to bless you. And that sounds fantastic. The other thing we need to know when it comes to applying the Bible is this. This is a book meant, and I just want to read the way I wrote it, apply... It's not a, uh, well, that doesn't make sense. What I wrote. I wrote, not a test to study, but words to live by. Oh, they're not just words to inform us. They're scriptures for us to live by. And so if you are currently doing a, like, read the Bible in one year, that is fantastic. You absolutely should do that. But speed reading doesn't get it in your heart. I would rather you take one scripture and meditate upon it. And when I say meditate, I don't mean cross your feet, put your fingers up, grab a carpet, and go, um, or whatever you're supposed to say. Clearly, I don't meditate. But I do me meditate on the scripture is to think about it. It's to go word by word. So I have plans to prosper you. Plans. That means it's pre-thought. It's an idea ahead of time. It's written on a piece of paper so nothing would come by surprises. And I bet you all the kind of extroverted things that could come in, there's a plan that God hands for you. And it's to prosper me. You know, prosperity means that I'm getting rich. But sometimes to prosper means things should be cut off. Like, that's what it means to meditate on the scripture. You go one scripture at a time and you just meditate on it. And the point of it is because the scriptures years ago were written on, on stone tablets, but they're meant to be written on our fleshly hearts. Then the final thing is, when it comes to reading the Bible, you have to know who wrote it, who did they write it to, why were they writing it, and is it a now word or a timeless word? Because yes. some promises are just true. They echo through eternity. But there are other promises that, like this one. For unto you will be born, uh, unto a virgin will be born. Okay. That's not something to come. Jesus was already born. 
in a town of Bethlehem, which Isaiah covered that too. And by the way, the, 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 uh, 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 we will be bruised for our iniquities, right? He'll be crushed. He'll be, that was a now word for Jesus. So when it comes to a scripture like, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. My question for us is, is this a now word or is this a timeless word? So let's do this. Instead of reading Jeremiah 29, 11, let's back up 10 verses and let's get the context of it. It says this, this is the text of a letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem. And who did he send it to? The surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So now this very specific word is written to who? All the people that just got carried off into Babylonian captivity. So I would say this. There is a chance this word was written for these people at this time. And if you want to have this word, you should know that this is the mental picture as you fill out that graduation card, as you fill out that marriage card. You're basically saying, God has plans to prosper you. God has plans not to harm you. But first, you're going to go into a very long season of captivity because everything inside of you is horrible and God is so detested by who you are as a person, as a people group, that he's going to put you in a worse situation so you can understand the better situation that you are currently living in. God bless you. And that's how you send them off on their wedding day. All of us married people know it, but we would never say it out loud. My wife's not here today. I can do that joke, okay? Because there's no way four of you just text her. So, but that's the thing you have to understand. This is the context of the time. The context of the time is the children of Israel were being sent out into captivity. Why would God possibly let them do that? And here's another lesson that we just need to know in life. Why bad things may happen sometime. I'm not talking about retaliation theory which is not something we preach nor support here. But at some point, God will go ahead and let you experience the horrible life you're pressing into in order for you to understand the value of the life that he's calling you to. The children of Israel was so toxic at this point. They were so paganized, idolatry, um, polytheistic, that what they did was they were serving every other God, loving every God, and Jesus Holy Spirit, God the Father, was one more on the mantle of deities that they worshipped. And just so you know, in case you don't know this, our God is a gentleman. He will not force you to love him. He doesn't demand that you love him. But if I can say it this way, he's also a jealous lover. That if you say you love him, and by the way, this is the way Isaiah said it and Jeremiah referenced it, if you say that you love God, he's not okay with you sleeping around with others then. And if you go, Pastor, I can't believe you just said something that vulgar. Actually, I should call you harlots then. Whores. Because that is what the Bible calls us. Because our intimacy with God is directly attached to the sexuality we know as human beings. So if I was preaching a, a sermon 
on relationships, this is why I would bring up premarital sex at this point and a biblical perspective on it. The intimacy we have on earth is a direct parallel and mirror of the intimacy we should have in our worship. And we don't share our beds with everybody. We share it with the one person we love the most. And so here's what God said is, in order for you to understand the value of my relationship, I will let you fully live in the, in the one you think you want. So if you think you have it here, enjoy the Babylonian captivity. Where we'll learn next week through Daniel, they want to change your language. They want to change your look. They want to change your ways of communication so that you can align better with their belief systems. And so now you have Jeremiah saying, hey guys, I'm writing this letter for good luck. For the future. And don't worry, this is only going to last 70 years. So, now that sounds horrible, which it is. But what you don't know is a chapter earlier, the people weren't believing Jeremiah because there was another prophet. And, and let me just make sure I have his Hananiah. Hananiah was another prophet, and he was a prophet that was declaring over the children of Israel, hey guys, judgment is coming, but don't worry, it's only two years. Not 70, don't listen to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was so steadfast on his sermon, he actually created a plaque. This is, this is like before bumper stickers, before podcasts, here's how he advertised. He created a plaque that he hung around his neck so that when you would see Jeremiah walking into his town, the first thing you would see that plaque and you go, he's back to preach the same thing. Hey, guy, like, I'm not going tonight. I know what it is that he's saying. But he literally walked around with a plaque of everything that he's been preaching about. And there was a day that Jeremiah was standing in front of the temple, uh, in front of the king. And Jeremiah's like, listen, king, you need to turn of your ways. This is wicked. This is idolatry. You shouldn't be doing this. But someone else, Hananiah, came along and said, king, it's only for two years. And wouldn't you know, and by the way, this is what should all hit us close to home, wouldn't you know there were two gospels presented at the time? One was fact and hard. One was cheap and easy. And who do you want to guess? How many of you want to guess which way the king chose to go? The fact and hard or the cheap and easy? And of course, he went towards the cheap and easy, especially when Hananiah did a TV evangelist-level demonstration. Hananiah comes walking over to Jeremiah, pulls the thing off of his chest, pulled the plaque off his chest, broke the plaque in front of everyone, and made this grand display of how this isn't correct, and you should listen to my easier, quicker, simple gospel message. So, my question for myself that I've had to evaluate is, here at Navigation Church, do we speak the truth, or do I present too much of an easy gospel? And by the way, I'm going to go ahead and warn some of this I want to preach, because of what next year I believe that God is calling us to. And if you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ that you follow looks something like this, that when you're in trouble, you call out for your magic God to solve it, Anytime you're really hurting, you just call another pastor and have them pray for you. You try to ascend a Sunday morning, but if you don't, no big deal. Oh, that's about it. Yeah, congratulations, you have an easy gospel. 
But if there's been a time in your life where you know that God is talking to your heart and you choose to make a change and make a difference and it's difficult, congratulations, you're probably following the gospel that God's called us to. I actually was sitting with the team the other day and something had happened and some thoughts had been going through my head. And I said to him, I go, unfortunately, I think God has something else he wants to work on my life about. I was at least honest about it because I don't want him to work on my life. You know why? I'm comfortable being normal. I'm comfortable not changing. I'm comfortable with everything staying status quo because that makes me happy. But the problem is I didn't say yes to Jesus to be happy. When I said yes to Jesus, he said, take up your cross daily and die to me. And so you just say, well, wait a second. So we don't have plans to prosper? We don't have plans for God to bless us? No, no, no. There's plenty of New Testament scripture that God says to you, here's what life can look out like. But it usually starts with this. When life brings you tough times, go read it for yourself. It's all throughout the epistles. It usually starts with when life does this, when relationships provide this, when disappointment comes your way, here's how you handle it so you as a person mature and grow and become a better person. And so if the gospel hasn't challenged you in the last six months of your life, I'm going to let you know you probably are falling closer to a Hananiah-style prophecy where he's saying, listen, all things good, name it, claim it. All you have to do is put your faith out there and God will give you. If tough times are happening, that probably means your faith isn't big enough or you did something wrong and God can't bless you. I'm going to just say I can't agree with any of those statements. Here's what I can say. I can't say that there's a God who knew you in your mother's womb and he has plans to bless you. He has plans to prosper you. But by the way, that plan involved you being a minister over 42 years preaching the same message that no one wanted to hear. He didn't call us to the right life or an easy life, but he did call us to an ordained life. And if he was willing to die for us, what are we willing to do for him? So Hananiah comes in, pulls the plaque. I I warned you ahead of time, this is a depressing sermon. Hopefully you're a little bit encouraged. But listen, I just got to preach the text, and the text is what the text is. Hananiah comes in, he pulls the thing off, he breaks the plaque, and goes, you got nothing on me. Look at my theatrics. Huh. And the nation went, ooh, easy gospel. That's what we want to go towards. As long as you can get me out of church in 32 minutes and have hot coffee, I will come to your ministry. Here's an honest question for you. Starting in January, if we changed up every aspect of our Sunday morning ministry and how we do the gospel, how we present the gospel, how we, and I'll go ahead and say this, I'll get in trouble because I'm not supposed to be, I'm just, you know, I'm not allowed to talk about anything happening next year yet. Pastor Aaron is out of town. All right which I feel like that was his way of saying, talk about what you want. (laughs) And my wife, who doesn't even come on a Sunday morning, who there's no way she'll hear about that one either, isn't here to be the buffer. But what if we said, Heather Heather is here. (laughs) 
Twan is here. Tyler's here. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm not good. Maybe I'm not good. But what if I said, starting in January, we want to go towards full interactive worship services? But for all comfortable Christians, it may make you uncomfortable. What do you do? Do you go with the plaque and say, I want easy? Or do you go with Jeremiah to say, listen, I know we're going into hard times. I know these are going to be challenging moments for us. Because, hey, Christians, I'm just going to be very honest with you. Look at the world that we're living in now versus two years ago versus four years ago. How much softer do we make the gospel thinking that's the thing keeping people from him? You either reject Jesus or you don't. So why don't we just present the real Jesus? And he's calling your whole life. He's calling every aspect of you. Our thoughts. Our, you know why I fast? Because I want to tell Jesus food is more important than him. The reason I pray is because I tell Jesus that time is more important than food. The reason I tithe, and when I say tithe, I don't mind. Cammie and I are over a 10% giver in our life. The reason I do that is God resources, you are more important than that. Every major thing I need to operate in my life, I try to submit because God is more important to that. So how much do we dumb down a gospel that Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me? Oh, wait, you want to go bury the dead? Then bury the dead. You can't even walk with me. Well, by the way, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, to some of you, I just went off the rails. But let me reword that. I need you to consume me so that you are me. This is the gospel that we have to. And as much as I want to say, hey, everybody, as a nation, you tithe, your money will be okay. Relationships, you attend a NAV group, your relationships will be okay. Hey, everybody, this nation we're living in, even though we may be hidden in inflation or even other, let's not go down that road. Don't worry, everything will be okay. I would be lying to you because we live in our nation and we're a part of our nation. But we can't be influencing our nation if the only thing we want is the easiest gospel for our own life. So how do you influence the nation? Ready for this? Jeremiah 29. So this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. So, hey, everybody who's currently living in Babylon, I am not writing you an escape plan. Escapist theology will never be preached at Navigation Church. We are not here to escape. We don't listen to songs that says this world is not my home. This is our home. God placed us in creation and said, make this garden look like heaven. And the moment we separated it, God said, listen, here's how I need you to start praying. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth. Not, we will do this on earth till you rescue us. No, we're doing it here on earth. So everyone, you should know this, you're going to be around for a long time still. And how do you live, and can I just say this, in a godless nation, 
We've successfully kicked him out of courts. We've successfully kicked him out of public schools. We're trying hard to get him off all of our financial bills. He's out of Hollywood and entertainment. At some point, we're kicking God out of our nation enough where God is the gentleman. They'll say, fine, if you don't want me, I will allow you to live with the foolishness of your decisions. So for all of us that currently feel like you're living in Babylon, if I can say it this way, here's what the Lord is telling us. Number one, build houses and settle down. Stop fighting what you're doing. Own it. This is America's the America that we're currently living in. Okay? And we need to stop, and myself included, we need to say, well, before COVID, well, before COVID is over, the vid is done, right? This is the life that we're living in. We can't say, well, before COVID, we were a church of, who cares? This is the church we are. The average church in America across the board is down 50%. I gave you one statistic last week. 80% of confessing Christians don't even attend a church on a weekend. I need to correct that. Attend a building because you're the church, right? And so here's the first thing you need to do. Settle down, build, own something, establish yourself to be a lighthouse in the middle of this pagan nation. Number two, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Guys, you need to plan on some long-term strategies for where you're living. If you think in two years you won't be here, you won't plan a long-term strategy for your life, here's what you need to do. You need to plan on being here for 70 years. This is the life. So how do you produce something that you can actually eat off of? And then I love this. Marry and have sons and daughters. This is coming from a dad of four. Everyone, start having babies. Here's some bad theology for you, and I'll go ahead and say it out loud. Are you guys with me? Bad theology. This isn't in the Bible. Number one, if you have uh, one kid, it's subtraction theology. Two of you, one kid, it's subtraction. If you have two kids, that's just replacement theology. You and your wife replace yourself. If you only have three kids, that's addition theology. Because you have three. If you have four kids, you're now biblical because now you've multiplied. <laughs> two times two. Get it? And I told you ahead of time, it's bad theology and you shouldn't believe it. That's just because I'm sarcastic. But here's the thing. Have babies. Want to know one of the easiest ways to fill the house? Procreate. That's what it is. And so... Number two, or number three, Mary, have sons and daughters. Train your children up in the way that they should go. Invest in your children. Don't let them be carted off every single day, Monday through Friday, by a yellow bus trying to overtake their belief system and mind system. We are not losing our children because we have bad youth groups. We're losing our children one yellow bus at a time through indoctrination. And then after 30 hours at a public school, which, by the way, my wife went to a public school her entire life, and just so you know, I know that she's a lover of Jesus. So this is not a bash on public schools. This is not a bash of saying that can't happen. But what I am saying is when you hand them to Pastor Aaron for 90 minutes on a Sunday and expect for the church to fix your kids, please stop putting that obligation on us. Amen. You know the number one way to keep kids off drugs is? True. All the facts point to it. Having dinner with them every night number one way you keep kids off drugs but for some reason we're currently living in a culture where 80 percent of the kids that went to youth group their entire high school career by the time they hit college 80 percent of kids leave the church 
Because there's a chance we've been presenting a two-year-long ex- uh, gospel that is about show, that is about excitement, that is about attention versus having an interactive gospel with your Savior. And I, by the way, and I'm going to ask you to put your hands together because there is a lot of people here that on purpose serve with our NAV kids and NAV teens that you work very hard and I know we do. We already do small groups starting with our fifth and sixth graders. And so can we put our hands together for all of you who volunteer to serve and bless and be a part of that next generation? <laughs> Mary, have sons, daughters, find wives for your sons. Give them daughters into marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers. Go do what men like to do. I'll say it. Guys, you now have biblical proof to give her the eye. Listen, I just got to do what Jesus called me to do. I'm pretty sure I got that theology wrong too. Did you just say you're texting Cammy? Okay, we're going to finish up right now. Also, see. I'm texting my wife. For. For those in the online community, we just had a man that said he's texting his wife. That is fantastic. That's just as honest as it gets. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. I could care less if you voted for President Biden. You pray for him. You pray for him. I don't know who you want to run for the next election. Truth be told, I've given no headspace to what it might even look like. But I will pray for it. I know right now we have new rules they want to have or not have in the city of Collinsville, and I don't know what the best is, but I'll pray for it. The reason why we are going to spend thousands of dollars to have a fall festival uptown because we want to get in the middle of our community. Ask me right now if I love Halloween. You know, The holiday that highlights ghosts, goblins, and everything scary. Ask me if I'm a fan of that. No, I'm not. Thank you for asking. I figured through the hundreds here, one person would. That's the person I have to pay every time she makes a comment. So thanks, guys. That was five bucks well spent. And so here's saying, no, I'm not a fan of it. But you know what's interesting? Name one other holiday we have in the nation that more people work as a community to be together. Name one festival, one holiday that more families actually interact as families. You may say Thanksgiving. No, everyone goes to their separate homes. And if it comes from a divorced family, you have two or three stops, right? This is the one holiday where families are families with other families. I can't put out my light and hide in my basement. So here's what I will do. I will give the best alternative that I can filled with hooks of candy. And the hook is the gospel. We're not there just to give away candy. We are there to be light and salt. Why? Because I seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried into exile. And if there's going to be music being played at the fall festival, I want to put my finger on the play button. I don't need the theme of Friday the 13th. Ah, 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 ah. No, I will echo. Isn't that it? That was it. I got a music reference right. This is a big day. We're closing service down now. It doesn't get better than that. 
I could have that theme echoing, or I could have the latest KB, Lecrae, NF. Notice it was all rappers that I named. It will be rap music playing throughout the festival if I have my way. But like, why not saturate our city's airwaves with gospel message? I can't control what that person's wearing, but I can control what that is they're coming to interact with. When it comes to we seek the peace and prosperity. God, we seek the peace and prosperity for Collinsville, for Madison County, for St. Clair County, for the St. St. Louis greater region. God, we seek for the peace and prosperity. All the places where our law enforcement officials have to take a step back. Lord, our prayers take a step forward. We pray for the abuse that is privately going in houses right now. We pray for the bullying that's happening in the schools. God, we pray for the, the, the lack of righteous laws and law keepers that are in our court systems. Lord, we want the best for our nation. And it may not be according to what your gospel plans look like now, but I believe prayer changes things. And God, if you were willing for 70 years to go by, why am I upset that you don't fix it in seven minutes? So I, as a follower of Christ, I hear what you have called me to, and God, I establish my house here in town. I connect with other ministries, non-for-profits, civic organizations, so that I can be with them in town. Lord, we, I set up my finances, I set up my house, my kids, in order to plan to be here for a while, but I do all of it to do one thing, to be a blessing to the world around me. May we be the light in the darkness. Maybe, may we be the salt when all of society is losing its flavor. And may the salt that we are and the salt that we give out preserve us for such a day that your spirit is poured out upon us fresh. Holy Spirit, come with revival fires and sweep this, this body that overflows in all four directions. May revival come, reformation come, renewal come, whatever term we need to put to it. God, we just pray. Can, every, can you guys start praying with me now? This was not the plan, but Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come with revival fires. We ask for you to come with an anointing that we have conversations with friends, loved ones, and neighbors. We ask that when someone is hurting in our workplace, in our school environment, that we are able to engage them not with hope that is hopeless, but with the greatest hope of all, Jesus Christ. God, we need you as a nation. We need you as a ministry. We need you as individuals. I need you as a family leader. God, I want you, and I need you. In any places where we are preaching a cheap version of your gospel, convict us now. In this place of prayer, if you have your eyes closed, I'm just going to invite you to kind of stay in that prayer attitude. I would be remiss if I didn't finish the gospel by saying this. Jeremiah is preaching and warning. Eventually, Malachi will preach and warn. For 400 years, God goes silent. Because after 400 years, God did not need to speak through a prophet because he stepped in as a man. Emmanuel, clothed in flesh, stepped out of eternity to step on the earth that he created to walk with us and talk with us for 33 plus years. To eventually, mankind 
saw the greatness of who he was, and we still rejected Jesus so much that we hung him on a cross. And I would say, well, it was the Jews that murdered him. It was the Romans that murdered him. It was the Pharisees that murdered him. But the fact is, Jesus freely gave of his life. No man could have taken it from him. He freely gave his life so that you could find yours. Is it an eternal freedom that one day when you die, you'll be in heaven? Absolutely guaranteed. But it's also a now word that says this. That, hey, exiles, even though you're away, God will prosper you. God will bless you. And in the culture that you're living, he wants to be right there with you as you are the salt and light to the world around you. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but everything that we've talked about today, there's something happening inside of you. Your heart is beating. Your mind is racing. You know that this is the thing you've been looking for to almost fill an empty gap that you've had in your life. I'm here to let you know that Jesus died for your sins and to be Lord of your life. If you're wanting to say yes to Jesus today, all eyes closed, no one's looking around, it's just you and I talking right now, those of you on our online campus, if you're here today and you're ready to give Jesus your life, ready to be a follower, could I just ask you to do this? Simply raise your hand in the air just so that I can see that you've made that decision. And as people are making decisions here, uh, I see those hands over there. As people are making the decisions here for you in our online campus, same questions going out to you. Except if you want to raise your hand, put it in the chat. Maybe like a comment that popped up or even a box that you can click yes. But that's your digital engagement to the natural response that I'm asking you for. But if you're in our online campus or you're here with us in life, could I just ask everyone to say this prayer? Dear God, I do not want a cheap gospel. I want the authentic, the real, and the pure Jesus gospel. Today, forgive me of my sins. Become Lord of my life. And I confess to you that I will follow you all the days of my life. God, I thank you for every hand that went up, every decision that was made, every confession. Maybe someone said it again for the second or third time, but today it's the time that that, that seed is taking root into good soil. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you help lead us into that relationship with you. Not drag us, not demand from us, lead us. Because we will faithfully follow you. And for all of us, God, we recognize the world that we're living in. We don't speak down to it. We don't just condemn it, but we choose to live among it. Jeremiah, we hear your words echoing all these years later that God does have a plan for us. And he knew the plan so well that you knit us in our mother's womb. So God, I recognize who I am in your kingdom and I will do what it is you've called me to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.